had a late meeting in the offices yesterday afternoon here in Milton, and I had a whole new experience about quarter to six, six o'clock on the way home. Yeah. I guess when we do breakfast radio, because we get up so early and we go home in the middle of the day, we're, we're a little bit privileged in some ways that we really have to deal with genuine peak hour traffic. <laughs> oh, my God. If we, The you, traffic on Milton Road and the Riverside Expressway <laughs> absolutely scared the bejesus out of me. If you're sitting in this at the moment, feel free to call and swear at us on 3223-0973 or the afternoon. But, we, yeah, we have been pretty sport on the whole thing. But I wonder if it's actually got... Worse in the last little while for a couple of reasons. One, there's 30,000 more Queenslanders since COVID started. Yeah, a lot of more people are moving up here. The other thing is, Bobby, you know I love to travel by bus and I had to go and pick up my car yesterday. Very, very quiet in the public transport. It's like not only do you get a seat, there's no one sitting next to you as well. Yeah, more people are driving themselves. But, yes, we don't usually experience peak hour traffic. So it was, you know, it was we, we got to see what the rest of you guys are dealing with every single day. And, no, don't feel sorry for us. No. But um, <laughs> I, went from, I went from here at 6 o'clock to the centenary pool. It was busy again. <laughs> was it there? I have it, never had six traffic people jam in, a in lane. the pool. Was I it? have wow. never had six people in a lane. And that's the other thing because we all got out and about and walking and jogging and going back to the gym. You know, after COVID, if I go down under Story Bridge about peak hour in the evening. You can't get a park anywhere. I know. Everyone's out and about being healthy. <laughs> so I've got a t- totally different respect for drivers in peak hour in so the afternoon. So why were you scared? In, were you on the bike? I was on my motorcycle oh. for one thing. And as a bike rider, I tend to leave a fair bit of space between myself and the vehicle in front. So yeah. you can brake if you have to. Um, but we have the suction effect. The moment you do that, somebody jumps into the space. I know. And my bus was coming for you, Bob. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> bit of adrenaline. Yeah. The yeah. good news is that the... Fridge would be stuffed because there was a lot of food left over from last night. So I potentially got some breakfast. So the message is stay back and eat, is it? Yeah, that's right. That's what people say just you know, after the movies, after a concert, just stay back another half hour or so. It's Uh, the budget came down last night. We all knew that it was going to be a big spending one. And th- thank goodness, finally, aged care is going to have a lot of money spent on it based on the Royal Commission. Tick, 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 tick. Yeah, yeah. However, mm. there were some losers in the budget. And this is what Channel 9's Chris Ullman had to say. So who are the losers out of this budget? Well, if you want to travel anywhere over the course of the next year, then think again. Because this budget assumes that the international borders will not reopen until this time next year. That's an assumption, not a government policy, but certainly something that will make the travel industry very worried indeed. Travel industry is getting $2.1 billion in this budget. It won't do anything to offset the losses that it's going to see over the course of the next year. The government expects, by the way, that almost everyone who wants to be vaccinated will be vaccinated by the end of the year. So there'll be a lot of argument about whether or not the government should look to reopen the borders earlier. Yeah. And that argument starts right now. <laughs> because I don't understand if we are expected... Look at you. I feel like I'm in a Qantas ad. Oh! Okay, anyway. Yeah, okay. If, I, if we are going to be fully vaccinated by the end of the year, yes. surely that means that we should be allowed to leave our borders. Jump in a plane. But that means people can come back in the other way too. Well, no. Okay, yeah, so right. I've thought a lot about this uh-huh. and I had a conversation with my sister who lives in the UK 
I think that we should do what they've done, which is a traffic light system. Uh-huh. So there are countries that are red. Yes. And so currently countries like India where they're, in, you know. And Understandably, actually, in the throes of it. And gosh help us, but uh, even Japan, who's in their fourth round and in a state of emergency. Aren't we sending Olympians there? Yeah, that's what I mean. Okay. Um, so, you know, those sort of countries, and that can change at any point in time like, like it does from state to state. Yeah. Then you have orange countries that may be, um, so if you go there and come back, then you'll have to quarantine for a period of time. Yeah. And then you have green countries where they are also fully vaccinated and we and we have an agreement. Yeah. Now, in the UK, Australia is on their green light system. The problem is our borders are shut. Yes. Okay. So, so we can't get there. So, yeah. no, they can't come to us. Uh-huh. But I think that if we are saying... And I, look, I completely understand that vaccination does not 100% uh, proof you from getting COVID-19. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we have to be working towards a point and we've got to give our travel industry and the, the opportunity to open up the borders and let those businesses be able to, you know, do their thing again. Okay. I say, I say patience, patience, patience. But here's the thing. I do watch people saying things like, let's get a Singapore hub and a Hong Kong hub. Yes. And I hear them crying out going, I need my business to be operating to go, go and do that. Like New Zealand. Well, yeah. yeah. We well, have a hub in New Zealand. Well, hubba hubba, Robin. I mean, that to, New Zealand to me means... We holidayed here this year. Everyone go to Milford Sound next year or go to Hobbiton. That's great. But And that's that's been great for families and things like that. Yeah. And Europe's saying it's going to open up. So there's a lot of families would like to go there. But the thing is, there are so many variations and the like. You know if you go overseas now and something weird happens, the government's pretty much going to tell you, you're on your own, buddy. You, yeah. you can't well, come you back in. Okay, you don't get travel insurance. I don't think no. that that's a problem. You have to take full responsibility if you want to go overseas and see your family. Well, and if things shut down and you have to come back and quarantine, then you have to allocate that within your own personal budget. I have no problem with that. Is this a return flight of $1.4 million at the moment? No. Isn't it? We'll, we'll but, go to America. <laughs> How would you be? But this is my point. Like, I think we should be allowed to, like the government's saying that the borders are shut is problematic. And and yeah. and I think that the, if we're going to be vaccinated and we're all jumping on that vaccination bandwagon, then open them up. We are way ahead of the curve here. I reckon patience, 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 or I will pay this back to you in 12 months' time because I reckon it'll become a bunk fight if we go too soon. Why? Because the, the infection is still high overseas. You open it up and it's just going to be too much too soon. Yeah, well, and we're really slow to get vaccinated. Okay, but then, but you know, then let's push up the vaccination rates, and that's why they've got those places out in the middle of nowhere where we can go and stay for two weeks and have a great holiday in a camp. One minute you're in Europe, now you're holidaying <laughs> well, in West that, Toowoomba. But I, yes, <laughs> I was if say. that is what is required, I have had a very interesting month in my life. There I go. The territory. You'll never, never know unless you go overseas first. I was going to say New Zealand. Here we go. Yes. But maybe it's well camp. Here we come and. <laughs> it's Robin, Terry and Bob on Brisbane's 97.3. Never mind the budget, here's Money in the Bank. Tessa's top five tips for naming Harry and Megan's baby. Get your bets on. Ladbrokes are covering it. Number five, boys' names for girls are all the rage. So yes. we Americanise Harry's name for Baby Hank or Baby Hank Jr. <laughs> 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 Number four, it's not so much a baby as a brand. So you put Harry and Michael together for Little Baby Remarkable. Oh, no, dude. <laughs> oh, could you imagine? Oh, Little Baby Remarkable, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Number three, named after the godmother, Ope Her, Ope Him or Ope Them. <laughs> <laughs> And number two, name her little baby Diana and wait for the palace's response. 
Diana will be the middle name. That I am convinced. Currently sitting at five to one. And the number one tip for naming Harry and Meghan's baby. Let's get real. Just a symbol that means the baby never to be known as princess. Do you in about six weeks' time we hear? It's Robin, Terry and Bob on 97.3. The American Today Show has interviewed Matt Damon about his new film, Still Water. Now, they had him on Zoom and asked him this. Where uh, are you and what are you drinking? That's what we want to know first. I'm in Australia. Um, I'm having a beer. The, the, the people at the, at the local pub were nice enough to leave it open uh, just so that I could do this because they've got the best internet connection in this neighborhood where I am. So We're glad that you're a little boozy because yeah, we before that. we get to the movie, which looks <laughs> incredible, we need to talk about something. Yeah. Very important topic. Your friend, Ben okay. Affleck. And, and a little thing we call Benifer. <laughs> How do you like them apples? <laughs> There's not enough liquor in the world for you to get me to say something about that. I, you know. But they pushed him on it and he finally relented. How about if we ask you this? Did the news make it to Australia? How did you even know that, that Benifer was a thing again? Possibly. Maybe. I just heard you guys. I was sitting here waiting to come on TV. It's the first thing I, this first time I heard about it. And what did you think? I didn't, I, yeah. That's a fascinating story. (laughs) All right. We we let him off the hook. It's true. I I love them both. I hope it's true. That would be awesome. There you go. They got the tick of approval. He and, um, they're still working together, Matt and Ben, because they produce City on a Hill, which is on stand at the moment. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, Seth Rogen has told a really funny story to American radio shock jock Howard Stern about how he and director Judd Apatow were in a meeting with Tom Cruise in 2006 Mm -hmm. and Mr Cruise decided to push Scientology. There was this very, like, loaded moment where he says this to us. If you just gave me, like, 20 minutes to tell you about this, me and Jenner look at each other and I'm like, is he going to bite? Am I going to bite? Are we, how, can we come out of this? Are we strong enough to have him do this to us and not be converted? I don't know if I am. I, I, I'm a weak, I'm generally a weak-willed, weak-minded person, I would assume, on the grand scale of people. I can, if they got him, they, how, what chance do I have, you know? <laughs> but they held strong. Why does Seth Rogen sound like Bob the Blob from Monsters? <laughs> because he was. Yes. yes. <laughs> it's Robin, Terry, and Bob on Brisbane's Night I slept in this morning. Yeah, I'm trying you to work never out. Do that. Trying to work I out if you've showered. <laughs> no, no. Well, I haven't. <laughs> oh. So um, we had a meeting here last night, and um, we didn't leave here till about quarter past six because our big boss, our CEO, is in town. Uh, and I thought, no, 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 I'm still going to go and do my laps. I really wanted. That's where I process. So I went and did my laps at Centenary Pool. Yes. And I got home about quarter to eight, and maybe because the routine was out, I fed the kids, I chatted with them, I then tried to catch up on a bit of Big Brother and re-looked yeah. at the news I'd recorded. But anyway, I was running late all night. Does exercise in the evening pump you up? I've got to be careful um, how late I run no, or work out. Yeah. No, it actually made me tired and okay. I think that was the problem because I didn't set my alarm. Mm. So I woke up at 3.25 which is like 40 minutes later than I normally am yeah. and completely wigged out. There is no worse feeling in the morning, I don't think, than yeah. to wake up and realise you are completely stuffed. If I hear birdsong, I sit up with a swear word. Oh yes, <laughs> and that swear word continues. So it's interesting, you have to take what your normal 
normal routine is in the morning. I mean, everyone listening has done it. And if you want to give us a call and tell me about it, 32230973. But you have to take that routine and pull it back in and go, okay, what are the things that I have to do to get yeah. out the door and what are the things that I want to do? But, Robin, you make an effort where in I know areas I do where make I an just effort. don't. So, okay, so I didn't have a shower. Mm-hmm. I li- But I swam last night. Oh, that's okay. Shower. You're still chlorine. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so um, I literally threw makeup at my face. <laughs> like, and, and I did that thing in the traffic lights, you know, where you're kind of plastering on mascara yeah. and, and trying to make yourself look vaguely presentable. You look good. Just a little surprise. Yeah, I do look surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do my hair. I'm sorry. Oh it's God. just an absolute mess. Oh. And I left the house and I managed to give, I'd pre-packed um, Molly, my dog's conk. So yeah, I that's... whacked the peanut butter on either end of it and chucked it outside so she had something Hit to chew on. Hit the dog in the head. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and I raced out and I got in the car and I got halfway down the street and I thought, I haven't done the most important thing in my oh. morning. And I couldn't not do it. It was really interesting. I wish you could have got in my brain. I'm like, it's okay. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. And I thought, no, I've got to go back and do it. Okay. This is exposing a little too much about me and my children. Uh-huh. But um, every morning yes. I go and check on my boys who, yeah. yes, are 16, 19 and 21. To make sure they're home. And I get, well, <laughs> <laughs> yes, that too. But, um, and I go into them and they're all asleep and I just put my hand on them and I say, I surround you with white light of divine love, healing and protection. <laughs> lovely, lovely. Me? That's great. Affirmations for your sons every day. That's I beautiful, oh, Robin. Thank you, beautiful. Bob. And love I thought, it. I can't not do that. So I went back and did it. You went back to cast a spell on your kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, I just couldn't it's have lived. It's non-negotiable. It's a non-negotiable. And I thought, I couldn't have lived with the fact oh. that if something had happened today, like mm. what what if by chance, like Finn maybe have had a car accident or what? something, and I thought and I hadn't. And you didn't do it. And I hadn't surrounded them with my love and my yeah. life. Have a car accident, put out clean underwear. <laughs> I, I knew you would go send, crack at me. Send them a meme with some butterflies and unicorns no, on it no, saying no, the same thing. To, it's like a, it's just a ritual that I do. And I literally turned around and went home to do it. Yeah. And then got here another five minutes later than I should have been. I can imagine getting out in the car in the cold morning air, driving back to Julia, stroking on the head and saying something about, I don't know, Tinkerbell Fairy White Light. And her look at me saying, Are you right? I don't have to get up for two hours. Don't, don't you run home to share marmalade on toast with your yeah, dog? Yeah, would you have negotiated with Mia? with Mia? Would you have still given her a toast? I bet you would have. She can wait till mid-morning as far as I'm concerned. Oh, <laughs> Jess, Jess of Carolee, good morning. Morning, guys. So I, it wasn't that long ago. I was running late to, to work and to get the kids to school and everything. And I was halfway down the highway from um, Ipswich to Brisbane. I realised I didn't have my Apple Watch on. Now, for some people, they're like, oh, yeah, it's just your watch. No, I'm OCD and I have to close my rings every day. So I was 45 minutes into my trip. I turned around and went home to pick it up to go all the way back to work just so I could close my ring. I have a friend who is completely obsessed with ring closing. <laughs> the boys yes. have no idea what you're talking oh, no, about. I oh, know. It's all the goals of the day, aren't they? What are, what, what are your rings, Jess? The, the, the stand ring, you've got to stand for 12 hours a day, yeah. at least for one minute for every 12, for 12 hours. Yeah. I have to close at least 1,000 calories and do at least an hour of exercise. See, and if I'm I didn't go back you. and pick up my watch, yeah. if I didn't go back and pick up my watch, I would have been able to do that. And yeah. then it would have just wrecked my streak of like 200 days what? and I would have cried. Why didn't you just so jog, OCD got in. jog back or jog <laughs> to work? Then you would have closed your rings. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> Jess. Possibly, but yeah. <laughs> See, I'm not a lunatic. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Terry and Bob on 
Now, I talked about this on Monday. My kids regretting not sticking with music in high school because they now wish they could like play things like guitars. Which they saw a busker, didn't they? Yeah. They on the street and went, yeah. wow, look at that. How yeah. cool is that? And they remembered that they'd played trumpet in primary school really, really, really well. Yeah. And then thought it was kind of geeky and daggy and didn't keep going in high school because football took over. And maybe it's just because of the struggling music industry or maybe it's because I just want to encourage kids as a show to keep going with music. But on Monday, uh, Jocelyn rang through and she was saying that her kids kept playing because of their music community. I've got a 16-year-old daughter who plays snare drum and a 12-year-old son who plays bagpipes. Bagpipes. Wow. Yes. (laughs) Um, Exceptionally well, but the reason is that they are actually part of the local pipe band. So if you can do something to get kids to stick with it, they will reap the benefits. I'm sure they're very, very good, but have the neighbours tried to talk them out of it at any time? (laughs) Absolutely not. They request them to play. It takes a village to raise a bagpipe player. Yes, it really does. And hearing that, Andrea has messaged me saying the key is finding a great teacher. And she's joining us now. Andrea, tell us about your children. I've got twins. They're 17 now, but they both did um, music in primary school. um, And they had teachers there that really, you know, encouraged them. And my son had, he started playing the piano when he was eight with a, a, a family friend. She was an elderly lady. Um, and she just took him, you know, took him under her wing and taught him everything that, that she knew. He used to do concerts at um, our, a tri-care centre. You know, she got Aidan to come along and, and play for, for the residents. And that was sort of his first experience of playing for an audience. And he probably was oh, he, he would have been nine or ten at the time. The thing is, is that once he learnt to read music with her and once he learnt to play, he can he plays the saxophone now. He can pretty much pick up any instrument, you know, and figure out how to play it. Wow. Um, you said he's one of a twin. Does his sister do the same? No, no, they're, they're completely, completely different, complete opposites. Um, so she didn't have the the same sort of encouragement and opportunity when she hit high school. So what you're saying, Andrea, is that your son's success was based on the fact that someone believed in him. Absolutely. Yep. And, and maybe that's the key to keeping kids, you know, motivated in the kind of music space is to just have people go, hey, we think you're cool. Yeah, I, I think so. I think it really has to do with the encouragement that, that they get and, and getting that connection. They have to have a, an interest and a love of, of music to begin with, obviously. Yeah. But when they find the, the right fit, the right sort of person that, that takes an interest and spends time with them and is patient and encouraging, you know, it helps to foster that, that love and, and continue it. Great. I also have two other children who've got no musical talent whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll save a few instruments and cost a few footy boots. Yeah. I sport, though, so that costs me just as much. Yeah, and you've lived the complete experience. Andrea, thank you so much. No worries. Thank you. There must be some brilliant music teachers around Brisbane. There yeah, really must be who are inspiring kids every day. If you know one, please uh, email us, breakfast at 973fm.com.au. But I'm just listening to Andrea there, and there's actually one 97.3 artist who had a massive impact 
on having my daughter continue with her musical instrument. And and I, I wonder if she'd remember. Wait, do you want to try and ago. get onto it? I'll give, give it a go and try and get it before the end Who of the week. Who are you talking about? Actually, I think I know. Yeah, Delta Goodrum. Yeah, okay. Yeah, massive influence on my daughter. It's Robin, Terry and Bob on Brisbane's 97.3. Temptation. Ready to be tempted. 97.3's Temptation. 20 to 8. Hey, Courtney and Buzz Scrub. Hey, how you guys going this morning? Very well. Yeah. Where is Buzz Scrub? Yeah, just down south and out to the Okay, side so, Beanley, yeah. okay. Windaroo. Great. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> That'll do. So, did you hear the clue, Courtney? <laughs> I did, Amy Shark. Great. Excellent. Yeah. So, are you going to go for 10 seconds for 100 bucks, 3 seconds for $300, or 1 second for $1,000? Oh, we'll have to do the one. Well, you sure? I mean, this clue's left you nowhere, really, hasn't it? <laughs> oh, I, I'm clueless. <laughs> clueless. No, we'll, we'll take the chances. Okay, and what would this money go on? Uh, a car. I So, I had a very slow motion T-bone that broke my car off um, that wouldn't have it was very minimal, but uh, my rear suspension was bent, so off we went to get a new one, so the money will go to that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And you're okay? I'm fine. It literally, I think it was like 10 kilometres an hour. It, I had a little jolt and that was it. <laughs> That's it. Okay. Okay, Courtney, we're going to give you one second of a song. You'll have 10 seconds to tell us the name of that song by title and artist to walk away with $1,000 to spend on your car. Are you ready? Yes, thank you. Let's go. Uh, I said hi by Amy Shark. Oh, that's a bit quick. Tell them all I said hi. Is that, that, no, 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 no. You said hi. You said that I said hi. Hang on, have a listen. Yes! <laughs> you did it, Courtney! Could we make it any easier? <laughs> Courtney, honestly, honestly, did you yeah. recognise it from the tune or thought, look, I remember the crack for four or five songs? Well, that's it. So I've listed all of her songs, and I thought, well, I said hi's her probably her biggest one. So I just thought, look, I'm just going to do that. Yeah, that's that's thousand dollar <laughs> thinking right there. Well done. <laughs> Thank you so much, Johnny. Congratulations, Dante. Courtney. That's fantastic news. Yeah, the budget, it's what everyone was talking about, apparently. Anyone who's interesting, anyway. Uh, And this is how Chris Ullman from Channel 9 News broke it down. Now, fascinatingly with this budget, it's the kind of budget which could have been brought down by a Labor treasurer with masses of spending, particularly on big welfare programs, to plug some problems that were pointed out by a Royal Commission and other political problems that the government has. But the government would say this is all spending on essential services. Now, this was exciting listening for Victoria Devine. She's on the money. It's a chart-topping personal finance podcast on iHeartRadio. And it's the morning after and she's ready to go. Good morning, Victoria. Good morning. Okay, you need to break this budget down into something that A, I can understand and B, I'm going to care about. (laughs) Well, I'll try my hardest. I do have a couple of points that I think are really interesting to us first. So I'll dive right in. And the first is the childcare changes. So for me, this is really exciting because we're always talking about childcare in my community. But from the 1st of July, 2022, the government is going to be removing the $10,560 cap on childcare, Uh which is going to benefit about 18,000 families. Okay. What does that actually mean? 
So that means that people are going to be able to claim more on their childcare and it's aimed at just boosting workforce participation and essentially women's economic security. So this is great because it's expected that we'll see about 40,000 people being able to work an extra day each and every single week. Oh, wow. Okay. And the big lean here is that a lot of women had to give up work during COVID, didn't they? Yeah, a lot of women have had to and a lot of women also don't see, you know, they'll often say they don't see the value in going back to work because they just can't afford it because childcare is so expensive. Okay. And what about uh, the Home Super Saver Scheme? The Home Super Saver Scheme is being increased, which is very exciting. So it's going from $30,000 to $50,000, which will see first home buyers able to get into the market, one, quicker, but two, with a little bit more savings than they had before. Victoria, some people don't like this long term, though, do they? No, they don't. But I think that it is really important to remember that we're all on, like, different journeys and we all need to <laughs> Shut up, Dan. Shut <laughs> up. You said the word journey. <laughs> I did. I'm sorry. I say it all the time. <laughs> okay, what else? So we're also looking at the increased super guarantee. So we weren't sure if this was actually going to go ahead or not. There was a lot of confusion around, you know, after COVID, whether they would increase it. However, nothing has suggested that it's not going to go ahead. But the super guarantee is going to increase from 9.5 to 10% from the 1st of July this year, which means that we are going to, as employees, get paid more super, which is great for retirement and going to boost our you know, financial freedom long term. And topping up where that money went when we bought our house earlier. Okay. Yes, absolutely. And finally, the $450 superannuation threshold is going to be removed, which I'm really excited about because it's going to benefit about 200,000 women. So the $450 rule is going to be abolished from the 1st of July 2022, which means that every dollar women earn will contribute towards super, whereas at the moment you have to earn more than $450 a month for that to be true. Yes. Okay, so for mum and dads in the suburbs like us, how would you rate this budget out of 10? Look, I think it's pretty good. At the end of the day, there's always pros and cons of a budget. It's a very big budget. We all can't agree on what are the priorities, but I think that there's been some good things coming out of it. But to be honest, I I do think I expected a few more things to come out of that budget. But, you know, after a year of turmoil, it's not bad. Seven? What would you say? Uh, let's sit on the fence and call it a seven. I feel like seven's a good cop-out number. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Victoria. No problems, guys. That is Victoria Devine. You can listen to her. She's on the Money Podcast for free on the free iHeartRadio app and listen She's really to your heart's content. Does the budget sense. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very Therefore, excited. can it be true? Yeah, <laughs> Very excited so. about the super saver scheme for first home buyers. $50,000. Wow. Now, Robin, you're about to talk about the five most popular hairstyles going out there at the moment, yeah? Yeah, the top five trending out of COVID. Okay. The magic round of NRL is going to be on Brisbane this weekend. That's all eight teams will play at Suncorp Stadium. Fantastic. And during COVID, I'm pretty certain that all those young men were cutting each other's hair (laughs) because there were monstrosities coming out of there and things that looked like car seat covers. I hope that was an accident (laughs) and not a trend. (laughs) Um, I will say that these top five are for women. 
So oh, okay. um, Good. I'm going to start from the top. The number one is the long face framing layers. Okay. Now, to me, this is everything old is new again because it's the Jennifer Aniston oh. cut in Friends when she went long, not yes. the short one. Yeah. But subsequently, so it means that the shortest part of the fringe or the bang uh-huh. is sits at your chin, uh-huh. and then it's layered past that. Yes, and you look exactly like Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> Pretty much. Yes, right. <laughs> you can try to. <laughs> yeah. Number two is the blunt bob made famous by Anna Winter of Vogue. Oh, so yeah. she's ne- it's never gone out of fashion no, for her. It's yeah. just that the rest of the world is cut up, yeah. caught up. So it's just straight up and down and, and across. I think she was actually one of the villains in Despicable Me too. <laughs> That's exactly, <laughs> yes, I know who you mean. Uh, number three is the shaggy pixie. Oh. Uh, so the pixie cut, so rather than close to the head, it's like Char- Charlize Theron wears with a bit more hair and kind of shakes it out I and like looks that. glorious. Yeah, well, I like everything Charlize Theron yeah, does. Pretty yeah, pretty much. Number four is long and slow. Sleek. Mm. Now that would be J Lo when she's not had her hair curly. So if she straightened, if it's um, done straight, then uh-huh. that's a J long and sleek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And number five. Yeah. Our all-time favourite. Mm-hmm. The Malay. The Malay for ladies or boys Yeah, well. Miley Cyrus, man. Miley Cyrus oh, loves a mullet. Man. Yeah, I mean, it's not just footballers, rogue footballers <laughs> who do it. In fact, my children, it's really funny. They've Both of them, the two eldest ones, have gone and like literally shaved the sides of their head and are starting to grow on top and they, they wow. love it. The I've mullet. seen a few boys around the shopping centres. Yeah, and yeah. no, but it's the women too. It's oh. it's the top haircut. I'll bring in my wedding photo and they can see where it goes horribly, horribly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. We want to talk about and love you to join in three double two three zero ninety seven three. You go in, you ask for or you don't ask for one of these styles, and you wonder who's in charge of this haircut. Mm-hmm. Is it me or is it the hairdresser? And there's a really funny friend of mine, Ellen Briggs, who works on the circuit up here, and she's got a great experience with her hairdresser. So I just said to her, "Can you can you kind of dye my hair that really brassy, fake blonde colour? You know, really like over dye it so it goes really frizzy, and then cut one side shorter than the other so I can't do anything with it." And she goes, no, Ellen, I can't do that. And I'm like, yeah, you can. You did it last time. At some point, she must have been sitting there in the chair going, oh, what's going wrong with my no, hair? Do I say something? It's a very interesting question because if you go in with a picture and say to a hairdresser, this is what I want and then that's what they cut and mm. you don't like it, uh-huh. whose fault is it? Like, seriously, whose problem is that? Because And there are so many, like, super expensive hairdressers at the moment where you pay for the experience and you're obviously paying for their results. Yeah, and I know I've got a head like Easter Island and I know Simon who cuts my hair. I might ask for it one way it goes, yeah, good on you, champ. We might just go slightly different. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See, I think if you go in with a picture and expect that, mm-hmm. then you have to suffer the consequences. <laughs> I know that from personal experience. Uh-huh. I took in a po- photo of Kylie Minogue when she had the perm. <laughs> there is like one photo of me and I was trying to find it before. It is Horrendous. I remember sitting in the chair as they're taking out the curly things that stick in the perm. It's the one and only time in my life I've had a perm. And I looked at myself and I burst into tears. And you know what the hairdresser said? Yeah. What did you expect? I know. You just looked like something that ended ended in oodle. (laughs) Three double two three zero ninety seven three. Clint from Springwood. What happened to your head when you went to the hairdressers? Uh, I've had a couple of bad experiences when I've gone to the hairdressers. Um, one instance I had when I was about a teenager and uh, got to the very end of the haircut. And uh, you know the, the, the clip that you put on the shaver to shave the, the back of your head? Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, the clip actually fell off and left a big chunk of hair missing at the back of my head. Oh, oh dear. 
And this was just before she was ready to hand out the mirror and show me the back of my head. Did you pay for um, that haircut? What did she say? Uh, let's just say that I had a very overprotective mother. I was just like, oh, yeah, you know, it is what it is. And I went back to mum and, of course, mum was like, what the hell happened here? And she stormed me with, you know, by the scruff of the neck back into the hair salon and was like, look at this, look at this, look at this. And uh, the, the hairdressing people were really nice. They're like, oh, so sorry. Um, I think he just leant back on it because he oh, started that before yeah, it happened. <laughs> I know, I know. Did she and pay then, for it? No, mum was just like, oh, don't worry about it. These things happen. It's all okay. I've vented now. It's all okay. It's all good. (laughs) But the the biggest horror story I've had with with hairdresser is getting a haircut from a second-year apprentice. Yeah. And um, walked into this particular hairdresser, and uh, they said, oh, second-year apprentice, and they sat me down, and she was there, and looked through my hair and asked me what I want, you know, short back and sides, blade two, you know, just the usual that I always get after 30-odd years. Um, And uh, she was there, and she was busy snipping away, and the shorter my hair goes, the more my grey hairs come out. Ah. So... Um, when she was cutting my hair, she turned around to me. She turned around to me and she said, um, "Would you like me to dye your hair for you?" Oh no, no, Glenn, <laughs> no. Um, I was I was twenty five at this stage. Oh, bless. <laughs> thanks, uh, thanks, Glenn. Glenn. Yeah. Uh-huh. Just put a bit of black paint in the, in the gap at the back from last time. <laughs>